I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I think it's really important to remember that the future is going to be really varied. Far more exotic than the dreams of the science fiction writers. And as we have more and more access to different cultures, that's going to only continue. I think that's incredibly exciting, and at the same time, has a lot of key societal implications around fracturing in society. I think it's important to remember when we're talking about this stuff that it's going to be so nuanced, so varied, and really interesting. Maybe also bad. Hello, and welcome to Future Visions, the show by Virgin exploring the surreal world of tomorrow through the finest minds of today. I'm Natalie Campbell. And in this episode, we're peering curiously into the future via the thoughts of Peter Smith, the co-founder of Blockchain, the world's most popular Bitcoin wallet. Now, if you don't know much about Peter, it wouldn't be overblown to describe him as a bit of a visionary in this sector. In short, his mission with Blockchain is to revolutionise the finance industry through the use of digital currency. Fundamentally, what we're working on is democratising finance. So if you think about the world today, It's really a select percentage of the world's population that has access to great financial services. And for the most part, it's part of a system that is not transparent. You know, people basically are in the Western world, in the upper middle class and above, have access to great financial services. That's pretty much it. The vast majority of the world's population doesn't. And even the people in Western countries who are upper middle class are in a financial system that is, quite frankly, really unstable now totally lacks in transparency, doesn't put customers first. And so for us, we had sort of this idea that you could build an entirely new financial ecosystem and you could do that using digital currency. And so we have a pretty simple mission, which is to make digital currencies useful. And so we have a a huge amount of stuff left to do, but every day, hundreds of millions of dollars is transacted over our platform. And that's incredibly, incredibly powerful. Quite frankly, the precise mechanisms of how blockchain works and its potential implications deserve their own programme. So we're not going to go into depth on that here, but it's Peter's expertise in the area that give him a unique insight into the future. There's really no part of the market that I'd rather be in. And the reason is that when you build better financial tools, when you make transactions between anybody in the world instantaneous and low cost, you've enabled them to do business together. And I think when you've enabled people to do business together, uh, when you've enabled them to have an economic relationship, you've really truly brought them together. It's these economic relationships and the future of commerce that we're going to get into today. I think we're all curious to know, 
If Peter is focused on building the financial tools of the future, how will the landscape of shopping grow alongside it? And what will the impact of things like virtual reality and artificial intelligence be? This is a really fascinating area. And considering how fast tech is moving right now, change is undoubtedly coming. I think if you sort of step back and think about how much shopping has changed over the last 10 years, you know, most people in the world that are under the age of 40 are really not buying the majority of their items in stores anymore, doing a huge amount of shopping online. But they're doing that in like a website, which is very different as a shopping experience compared to going into a store. I think that there's still a lot left about a store that people like. They like the ability to try something on. They like the ability to see how they look in it. They like the ability to uh, interact with salespeople. In the future, you can imagine a world where you go get scanned every six months, and then you know your precise body shape, size, and then you can take that and you can go into a virtual world where you can see what you look like in various clothes and where a salesperson can help you and can show you what a style looks like. I think that the sort of marriage of the convenience of the online shopping experience of a huge variety, price, getting things right away when you want them, marrying that to sort of the experience of shopping is what's going to be really interesting about how shopping changes. Straight away, Peter has dropped three big concepts. Firstly, the idea that in the future, shopping could happen in virtual or augmented reality. Think about it we'll put on the magical spectacles and enter a new world of possibilities. Secondly, we'll be using data in smarter ways and maybe even body scanning technology. This will help us pick products more effectively to fit our shape and personality. And thirdly, in the future, we'll be able to interact with shop assistants in the virtual world. We'll be able to beam them into our vision from a distance, perhaps as sort of holograms, in our own living rooms, wherever we may be. These are Peter's visions for the future. But is he on the money? Will it make us spend more money? I think in 20 years' time, it will definitely be a possibility. Um, and in fact, I think it'll be a reality by then. Let's start our journey with virtual reality. This is Tracy Wedmeyer, co-founder and chief technology officer of In Context Solutions, a company based in Chicago that specializes in creating virtual 3D simulations. If you look 20 years in the past, you know, email was barely a thing. Um, and this type of technology is accelerating uh, pretty quickly. You have, you know, I'll term it a race to the bottom in terms of hardware from all the major providers, which means the average consumer is going to be able to afford a headset, right? And I think the 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 sticking point then is going to be reimagining what the commerce experience can be with a headset on, uh, and I think there's a lot of uh, uh, lip service paid to being able to transact in VR today, but it's sort of replicating what you can get on an e-commerce site, and I think there's an immense potential to create much more engaging experiences uh, where you can actually play and interact with the products. The products have a a personality all themselves, which you don't get on an Amazon or an e-commerce site or even walking into a brick and mortar store today. So I'm a retail girl at heart. I had my first clothing store when I was 21, but this is online shopping completely redesigned. Imagine browsing a shop where the products themselves jump off the screen and come to life in 3D. Maybe you could try on virtual versions of the clothes you want to wear to see what they look like before you buy or place a virtual version of an item to see in situ in your living room, in your kitchen, in your bedroom, before you make the decision. 
That would be an amazing and a magical experience. Those products can take on a whole new um, sort of mantra or, or persona, if you will, and that will drive purchases and, and at the very least brand memories that are very valuable to some of the largest brands. So where's this technology at right now? Personally, I haven't been invited to go out virtual reality shopping just yet. At the moment, companies like In Context Solutions aren't designing these worlds for consumers. Because as Tracy mentioned, we've still got to wait a little bit longer for the technology, things like the VR headsets, to come down in price so that everyone can afford them. For now, Tracy and his team are focused on the business-to-business market. They build shopping simulations for retailers so they can test drive ideas in a virtual world before they spend money doing it in real life. We basically have a virtual reality platform that some of the world's largest brands and retailers use today to help plan their go-to-market strategies. Go-to-market strategies could be anything from you know pricing on shelf, promotion, display, signage, anything that they're thinking about rolling out to brick and mortar, we help them visualize, understand what it's going to look like for their customers. And then we have a, a market research testing platform so they can actually run those simulations by you know thousands of their actual consumers to get feedback to understand what's going to move that needle. In essence, you can design a virtual shop before you build the real one. Now, this would have saved me a lot of time and money nearly 10 years ago. And the advantages of test driving products and layouts in this way mean that you can also collect a whole load of data about user experience. Once they have first person control, we're measuring everything about that shopping trip. Where do they go? What do they pick up and and put in their cart? Do they zoom in on the ingredients for how long? And that becomes very unique in terms of what we offer because we can tie attitudes and behaviors together. And it's turned out to be very highly correlative to what happens in the real world. So through that process, we're a lot faster, we're a lot more cost effective. And we allow them to test uh, anything that they could imagine, two or three different variants of that, as opposed to uh, the traditional planning process they go through now. In practice, companies using these sorts of VR testing simulations are already seeing huge benefits. They're saving money and collecting vast amounts of information which will help them make better decisions. So what's the next step? Whenever we show off this simulation, the first step that people always ask is, well, can I just shop that way? And I think that might be a first step towards uh, virtual shopping. But what, you know, the, when we think about the future and transacting inside of, you know, AR, VR, you know, we think about creating your own store for you in real time. You know, the average grocery store has 40,000 SKUs. The average family buys 260 of them. If you didn't know, SKU or SKU means a unique product. It's short for stock keeping unit. Why would we make you walk by, you know, 39 plus thousand SKUs when there's no chance you're going to buy those? So if we can present a store that's yours, that's got the products you have bought, and maybe that ring around there, there's six degrees of separation of products that you might buy, uh, we think we have a better opportunity to, to transact as opposed to uh, just having somebody browse the shelves and wanting to walk you know, up, up and down the aisles in virtual, which has a novelty but wears off pretty quickly. You have to drive an increased, uh, sort of I call it a 10x shopping engagement or shopping experience compared to what they can get today. So personalization is where it's at. Why walk through a virtual copy of the high street when you can have a store that's tailored for you? That's the big vision for virtual reality shopping, creating engaging experiences that connect consumer to retailer through personalization. I think to make that possible though, there's obviously the VR technology that has to be greatly improved. 
there's a lot of payments technology that has to be improved. There's quite a lot around supply chain and service delivery that has to be improved. But if you think about 20 years from now, we'll probably very much be there in 20 years. Okay, so let's dive a bit further into the idea that data can further personalise this experience. Peter's suggestion earlier was that we might be able to get ourselves scanned every so often and buy clothes to fit based on the finer details too. I like this idea of the finer details, especially when I put in a few pounds. You know, right now we use a very rudimentary like waist and inseam. In the future, I think we'll use, you know, 50 measurement points. And then you can take that and you can go into a virtual world where you can see what you look like in various clothes and where a salesperson can help you and can show you what a style looks like. Not only will our virtual stores be personalised to our exact tastes, they'll be tailored to our exact size and fit preference too. It's about time this happened. In 20 years from now, we're all going to be wearing shiny silver mylar jumpsuits and size will be one size fits all. No, that's a joke, but uh, <laughs> that's what all the science fiction uh, movies depict anyway. This is Romney Evans, one of the founders of TrueFit, a company already using data to customize shopping experiences in this way. We are a data-driven technology company that uses rich connected data sets from leading retailers, thousands of brands, and millions of consumers to create amazing personal experiences for the world's largest consumer vertical, which is apparel and footwear. So we've got some cool applications that make it easy to understand what size clothing you are, uh, what styles are gonna be best for you, and we can actually disseminate that information through APIs to feed all kinds of applications and devices and experiences so let me just explain how that works a little bit. So we work with top apparel footwear brands who give us all of their product spec data. We also have a really rich process of identifying you know, what all the different traits of those garments and shoes are in terms of you know, what's the fabrication, what's the cut, you know, how high is the rise. We then also get a bunch of information from consumers about their um, height, weight, age. We have visibility into some of their brand and style preferences. And what this does is by connecting those data sets, we can then understand which items are going to work well on certain people, what they're most likely to eat when they, when they make purchases. And so it helps remove a lot of the guesswork that happens naturally when people are shopping for clothes and shoes. And, you know, this is one of the ways that artificial intelligence is just helping solve very basic day-to-day -day challenges for people to make, you know, a historically challenging shopping process uh, quite easy so you can kind of focus on the fun part of shopping. So based on what we've heard so far, Peter's prediction is spot on the money. If we combine Romney's artificial intelligence with Tracy's virtual reality, you'll be able to walk into a virtual store where the products on sale are personalised exactly for you. Now, I'm not exactly into the whole shiny suit thing, but I am into the idea that everything I want to buy will fit exactly as I want it to, and that my tastes will be preempted. But what about the human side of things? Sometimes a good shopping experience relies almost entirely on that personal touch. It's about the shopkeeper, about the sales assistant, and them getting to know you and what you want. How will the virtual world respond to this? Holograms might be the answer. So my name is Ashley Crowder. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Ventana. Uh, we're based in Los Angeles, and we build the world's only interactive holograms that wow consumers while tracking data to quantify that engagement. 
So our technology is standalone hardware that projects holographic images that multiple people in a room can see and interact with. So you don't have to wear a headset or you don't have to wear anything. Um, we really wanted to create an experience that was authentic in a group experience and social. We consider ourselves a part of augmented reality because we're putting the digital into the real world, which is the definition of AR. Um, we're just doing it without wearables. For clarity at this point, I should say that we're going to talk about holograms under the wider umbrella of virtual reality. Whether it's a virtual element projected into the real world or real things projected into the virtual world, the concept of mixing realities share the same idea. It's just the viewing interfaces that are different. So we do pre-recorded and live holograms and the biggest differences are our interactivities. The real benefit of holograms is it feels like that person is actually there. And then when you add the interactivity, it's people freak out. You know, when, when you walk up and say hello and the hologram says hi back, you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what is happening? So that would be me, definitely. I would be freaked out by it until I understood exactly what was going on. Ashley's company, Ventana, is already capable of producing holograms that could be put to use in this sort of virtual shopping experience. We do telepresence for executives. So, Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. For Intel, for example, we beamed the executive into Taiwan as a hologram live to announce their new processor chip. Um, and we've done it for Microsoft as well. So it's a great way to do product launches. Um, and we also create interactive experiences for consumers. So a great example for NYX Cosmetics, uh, we created an experience for their new highlighter product that they were promoting. So the highlighter, obviously, it highlights areas on your face. So we created an experience where consumers could see their hologram live and hologram sparkles flew all around them and they were next to a hologram version of the product. Um, at the heart of it, you know, we've invented all this tech and we're doing selfies, <laughs> but that's what people want. Whether it's beaming someone in 3D to the other side of the world or creating a 3D mirror to see what you look like wearing a particular virtual reality product, this sort of thing is already possible. 
and it's going to be more and more commonplace. No longer will we do meetings as conference calls or even video calls. We'll be able to transmit ourselves in 3D to appear as if we're in the room. You know, millennials define luxury as an experience. So how do you sell them a product? You have to engage them in an immersive experience that makes them feel like they're a part of your brand. And then Gen Z, which is already surpassing them in purchasing power, according to Ernst & Young's new study, are digital natives who demand the latest and greatest in technology to be communicated with. So as brands look to target these two massive groups, you, you have to do it with new technology and you have to do it in an experiential advertising way to really connect with them. The potential business implications of this are staggering. When you think about the labor side of that, it suddenly means that like a shopkeeper can live anywhere in the world. It means like your shopkeeper could very easily be from a totally different part of the world than you. They might be sitting in the comfort of their living room. They're not going to sort of be commuting into a, a low paid job every day anymore. This is remote working on a next level. What excites me about this is that a shopkeeper from India to Uganda can find us and sell to us. This levels the playing field in terms of economics. The where and the location of work is going to completely change. The possibilities for business seem absolutely endless. But is this all too good to be true? You're listening to Future Visions, the show by Virgin exploring the surreal world of tomorrow through the finest minds of today. And in this episode, we're delving into the thoughts of Peter Smith. He predicts that a day out shopping in 20 years' time might look quite different from what it is today. So far in this episode, we've established a few things. We know that technology is going to enable us to go shopping in the virtual realm. We're going to be able to buy whatever we want, whenever we want, all from the comfort of our sofa. Just think, a whole range of products at your disposal, all in 3D. Stores will be personalized to our tastes using AI, and shopkeepers will be able to interact with us as holograms. But what's the catch? If I'm honest, I wonder whether this is actually a better way to shop. Is it just another way to target and advertise to us? I'm not really sure if more choice is actually a good thing. I think it'll mean a lot of things for different people. But at a high level, people will either use that to have more depth in their purchasing. So because you can look at so much variety, you can be so efficient about shopping, maybe it means that you really put a lot of depth of thought into each purchase. It could also make us much bigger consumers. Like if you look at people today, and this certainly happened today, how much stuff we buy on Amazon that we wouldn't have bought if we didn't have the convenience of Amazon, it's, it's pretty serious, right? And so I think that it'll go in one of two directions. It'll either increase the depth of thought behind purchases or it'll just increase the amount of shit people purchase. There, there are some ethical concerns or I think, uh, you know, it's sort of a nascent early stage of this. So I, I think, you know, VR ads and marketing inside of, of AR and VR uh, is, is in its early stages here. I think what you'll end up seeing is no different than when you shop on a uh, website or an Amazon or a 2D experience. You know, they're recommending things based on all the data and information that they know about you. I think what AR and VR provide is a much more relevant experience. So rather than homogenizing everybody down to a single shopper, I think what you're going to get is uh, you know people who have more convenience, uh, more products around them that are, are relevant as opposed to 
you know, some of the garbage that they might see now. So some people will use it and they'll use it as an efficiency tool like I would. Like I would say, okay, man, I really need to buy a new dress shirt. Let me go into my VR headset and like try on a bunch of different dress shirts and, you know, 45 minutes later, I'm going to buy a dress shirt. Some people who love shopping will put on their VR headset and say, I want to shop in Tokyo today. I want to spend eight hours shopping in Tokyo and maybe I won't buy anything. So for some people, shopping is entertainment and some people shopping is utilitarian. And so it'll really depend on how people view it and how they experience it and what they enjoy. So I don't necessarily think that it'll be an efficiency tool across the board, nor do I think that it'll be a entertainment tool across the board. I think it'll serve a variety of use cases. I think when you're predicting the future in general, one of the things that uh, futurologists and, and futurists make the mistake of is that they, they speak in very broad swaths, very broad pin strokes. And I think what people who are more operational, more sort of industry focused have realized is that there's an incredible level of nuance to the way people use technology. So Peter's on the fence about whether or not more choice equals more consumption or better informed consumption. There's one thing we can be certain of. It's that people trying to sell us things will know more about our habits and they'll be able to use the details of our life to sell us more in a more nuanced way. This leads on to a huge ethical debate surrounding the collection of data. If AI is learning everything about our habits, what's to say that information couldn't be used against us and in a bad way if it falls into the wrong hands? As a far-out example, Ashley Crowder has already had some pretty weird approaches about the application of holograms. Today, with the technology, you know, one of the crazy things to think about, we could use machine learning to read all of your emails and your texts, learn how to talk like you, then integrate with AI and our hologram technology and create a hologram that is you that's talking and answering like you. That's pretty crazy that, that, that could, that's possible today. Um, there's a lot of ethics that are involved in that conversation. You know, do we do we create these live holograms that could answer any question as someone else, especially if that person's deceased? Um, in the hologram industry, the, there's a whole vertical called digital resurrections. You know, we get asked all the time, hey, can you bring this person back from the dead and we'll have a hologram of them? Um, we like to avoid the dead people. <laughs> I prefer the living. <laughs> like the shiny suits, I like to avoid the dead people too. It's crazy to imagine, but this is a harrowing example of how identity theft could become a serious problem surrounding VR and holographic technology. If you're able to replicate the likeness of another person and pretend to be them, imagine the damage you could cause. I'll leave that thought hanging for a moment. But moving on from our sense of identity to our sense of community, Peter has more thoughts. I think it's really important to remember that the future is going to be really varied. And as we have more and more access to different cultures, that's going to only continue. Like 100 years ago in London, I bet you had four or five subcultures. Now you probably have 500, 5,000. Like we don't even know. We can't even quantify because now it's like perfectly easy to get on a plane and be in Seattle and, and you know, be in the mecca of hipsters or to get on a plane and go to Tokyo and be part of the Hello Kitty scene. It's possible for that sort of stuff to come in and across borders. And technology is going to make that even easier, even more possible. And so the world that we're living in 20 years from now is going to get more nuanced. It's going to be more varied. And I think that's incredibly exciting. So on the positive, VR is going to help you connect with like-minded people. It's going to be easier to find your niche, your place of belonging. 
and at the same time has a lot of key societal implications around fracturing in society. Um, so just like VR is going to make it easier to go shopping and easier to have crazy experiences that maybe we would never have, it's going to make it easier probably to recruit people to radical causes. And that's a pretty scary thought. If digital resurrections are already possible, just think what else could be done if virtual reality is used to skew people's perceptions of what the world looks and feels like. Propaganda and fake videos could be generated with indistinguishable realism. And the vulnerable could quite easily get lost in a sort of twisted hyper-reality. We're obviously jumping to worst case scenarios here, but it's clear that for the people building this industry, there's a huge responsibility to create a code of conduct and build ethics into these applications. For those of us getting ready to use and enjoy these technologies, whether for business or pleasure, we need to be prepared too, and awareness is key. I've said it before, the rise of these technologies means nothing if we don't have a sense of ownership and personal agency. We need to know how to use these technologies so they benefit us. With AI, virtual reality and holograms in mind, what should we pack in our future toolkit? What will enable us to make the most of it? Everyone needs to understand how technology works. And to do that, you need to go experiment with code. You need to go learn how software works, how it's structured. The good news is you can probably do this in eight weeks in the evenings. You know, um, there's a lot of amazing courses, a ton of them here in London. But really, if you want to start thinking about investing for a long curve, I think that's a great way to spend a couple months of your time. I don't think everyone needs to become a developer or a coder or a computer expert. Frankly, we may not have developers in another 20 years. So let's start with building awareness. Understand how technology could affect you and learn enough to enable yourself to make the most of it. As Peter says, we don't all need to be experts. We just need to know enough to understand how this can impact our lives. So... Is your business one of those that could benefit from things like virtual reality and AI? Or could your business be under threat from these new developments? It's all worth exploring. What else would Peter suggest we work on? The other thing that I'd say that people should do is uh, start thinking about how they're gonna be more thoughtful about the choices they're making. We are sort of in this world where we're constant 24 seven simulation and it leaves us very little time to be thoughtful about what we're doing with our time. And in the end, we're all going to get more options, more opportunity, more things to consume. But it's unlikely that much of our generation will get more time. And so really the, the most critical thing that we're all going to be examining about our lives when we're 50 or 60 is how we've used the time that we've had. Not how we've used the money that we've had or the opportunity to consume. I mean, face it today, like even someone who's not well off is living better than like the King of England 300 years ago. But we're not going to get more time. This is probably the most poignant statement I've heard so far. We're not going to get more time. It's always encouraging to hear a high-flying CEO admit that we need to spend time on ourselves and to be more thoughtful. Maybe this is the opportunity with technology. We can change our lives and do the things that we really love. For me, a lot of figuring out that balance is about being disciplined, about setting aside time to, to be thoughtful and to think about how I use my time. It's also about figuring out what kind of goals you're gonna set for yourself and how you're gonna measure yourself. When you grow up, you know, sort of type A, overachiever, 
you're sort of taught that like career promotion and making money and you begin to evaluate yourself exclusively on this. And what's much more interesting is to think about how you want to evaluate yourself in a holistic framework. Like, you know, is it just that I care about professional success? And, and maybe in the year 2017, all you care about is professional success. Maybe you also care about how good of a friend you were that year, how good of a partner you were to whoever you're with, or what kind of impact you had on your community or society. And there's nothing wrong with saying that 2017 is a year that I'm 100% focused on my career, but it should be a conscious choice. And all too often, we don't make a conscious choice. We just work really hard against a metric that we've set for ourselves that we didn't think that we set for ourselves. And so I'd encourage people to think about how they're measuring success. What does success look like? And when you start to change that, you start to get more thoughtful about how you're allocating your time because you realize that in the end, you're really just allocating your time on one vertical. And so that's been really helpful to me. Even as the world accelerates at an astonishing rate and technology races faster than ever before, the key sentiment here is to remember to step back and make time for yourself. Yes, we'll be able to shop in virtual reality and have everything beamed into our homes, but none of it means anything if we don't actually know how we want to spend our time and who we want to spend that time with. That's it for this episode of the Future Visions podcast. A huge thank you to Peter Smith from Blockchain, Romney Evans from Truthit, Tracy Wedmire from In Context Solutions, and Ashley Crowder from Ventana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a review on iTunes or get in touch on Twitter at Virgin. You can also use the hashtag FutureVisions. And if you want to find out more about Peter Smith, just head over to virgin.com for more articles and future gazing content. Next time on the Future Visions podcast. A day in my future in 2037 begins with every single person around the world waking up and women and people of colour feeling fan-bloody-tastic about the day they're about to have because that is not what is happening at the moment. And so the way I'm going to tackle whatever you're going to ask me today is this isn't about, ooh, I think these trends and dynamics are bubbling up and I think, you know, this is about, this is the future I want to see and I'm going to fucking make it happen. Advertising consultant and sex tech entrepreneur Cindy Gallup explores a future she'd love to create. The big question here is, how can we make a future that's more diverse and fair for all? Until then, from me, Natalie Campbell, goodbye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.